Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We've been on this series called Living in Liberty. And uh, today, I want to talk about being called to liberty. Called to liberty. So if you got your Bibles, get those out. Sermon notes are available there in your worship guide. And uh, you can also get those on the YouVersion uh, Bible app. So if you've got your Bibles, every time we open the Bible, we expect God to speak to us. So we get a little bit hyped and excited because we want to hear from God. So if you've got your Bibles, E-Roads family, get them out. Let's go. Church family right here in the room. Let's get our Bibles out. Let's get excited as we open to Galatians chapter 5. Woo! Galatians chapter 5. Living in liberty. Living in liberty. Hope you guys have been enjoying this so far. And I hope you enjoy it even after today. As yet to be determined, I understand. <laughs> let's start reading in, in verse 1 of chapter 5. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Stand fast. Page flipped on me, sorry. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you, that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law, or you who attempt to earn your way into heaven. We become estranged or separated from Christ when we begin to think that I'm going to take the reins and become the person I need to be. We cannot do it outside of Christ. You have fallen from grace. What that means, fallen from grace. It's not talking about lose your salvation and go into hell there. The context of this is saying you have fallen from the concept of grace. In other words, salvation comes by grace through faith. And when you try and earn your way into it, try and do it by works, try and do it from outside things, you've fallen from grace to a lower level of works. Grace is a higher level in God's kingdom. I'm not preaching about that, but I thought it was good. So now let's go. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Faith working through love. I'm going to say it again. Faith working through love. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your love. I thank you for your agape love, your unending love. And I pray that you would just move right now. I say, come, Holy Spirit. Come. We need you. We want you. I want your presence. For everyone watching on the screen, for everyone listening by the podcast, for everyone sitting here in the, in the congregation, Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will touch all of us, touch our hearts. I pray that you bring the word alive. I pray for truth to prevail. I pray for the name of Jesus to be glorified. I pray that we will be drawn to you, Lord, and that you will change us from the inside out. We pray for our nation we pray for our families. We pray, God, that you will do wonders and miracles. God, I pray that you will confirm this word with signs following. 
that signs and wonders and miracles will be done today through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Even those watching online, Lord, I pray for miracles to break out even through the hearing of the word that Jesus be glorified. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Somebody say amen. 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 So now here's what we're looking at here in Galatians chapter 5. Notice what it says. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Has made us free. Christ has made us free. Has made. Has made. Is that present tense or past tense? Has made. That's past tense. So he has made us free. So we're, we're free. We've got liberty. But when did we get free? When did that liberty become available to you and to me, to whosoever? Christ has made us free. So in Christ, freedom is already available. Liberty is already available to everyone, no matter your race, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your gender. Freedom is available in Christ. When Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead, freedom was available to everyone. Now, freedom available and freedom, freedom applied are two different things. Freedom can be available to me and not be applied to me. In other words, God can want freedom for me in an area of my life and I not apply that freedom. So just because Christ paid for it then doesn't mean everyone's going to experience it. And an important part of this understanding that just because something is written into law and this written into the law of heaven, that anyone who accepts Christ has been made free. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. That is a law in heaven. But is, that is not applied to every person until through faith they receive that into their own life. Am I making sense? So it can be available and not applied. Freedom, it's through Christ. So now notice what he says. True freedom is only found in Christ. Christ has made us free. The Passion Translation says it this way. Let me be clear. The anointed one has set us free. Who set us free? The anointed one. Who's the anointed one? Jesus. Jesus. Who's the hope for the world? Jesus. Who's the answer for our division? Jesus. Who's the one that's going to give liberty and freedom to whosoever? It's Jesus. The answer is Jesus, the anointed one. Not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly, you know, some of you want to be stubborn. Right here's your opportunity. Stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. You know, it's okay to be stubborn about the right things. It's okay to be stubborn about not going back into our past. We're not going back into the lies of the enemy. We're going to cherish the truth of God. So notice what he says. There is liberty or freedom that comes in Christ, but look at the first instructions. We must stand fast, therefore, in that liberty. So we've got liberty. We've got freedom. We've got to stand fast in it. What does it mean to stand fast? It means to stand firm, to persevere, to be constant, to hold one's ground, maintain a position. So where are we holding our ground? Where are we maintaining our position? Where are we standing firm? Where are we persevering? Where are we being constant? In the liberty. In the liberty. I told you last week, I'm just going to mention it for summary's sake. What does it mean by liberty? Three things. Personal freedom from servitude, confinement, and oppression. So we got to stand fast, stand firm, hold our position. If it says we got to hold our position, if we got to uh, maintain our position and hold our ground and persevere doesn't mean that it's possible for us not to hold our ground. 
If he's encouraging you to maintain your position in liberty, is it possible to not hold your position? Otherwise, he wouldn't be telling you to hold your ground. But notice what he says. I want you to hold your ground on these three things. Number one, servitude means freedom of choice. You need to hold your ground, maintain your position that you always have a choice to change your life. You have a choice. Hold your position in that. Don't move off of that. You have the freedom of choice. You can change. Well, I've been this way my whole life. It doesn't matter. You've got the freedom to change. Make a choice today. I know, but I was terrible an hour ago. I know. Make a choice this hour. Make a choice. You're one choice away from changing your life. When you choose Jesus, everything changes. It's one choice to submit to him. It's a choice to say, I've been this way. This is all I've known, but I've got the freedom to choose. And you get away from guilt, condemnation, and labels and say, I choose freedom. What a liberating fact that is. Stand firm in that, though. Somebody's going to try and rob your choice. Somebody's going to try and take that away from you. You're also free from the limitation or restrictions in the liberty. Stand fast in the limit, in the liberty that you have no limits and you have no restrictions. God is saying to you and to me, stand fast, stand firm, hold your position that there are no limits to what God wants to do in your life. Stand firm in that. Stand firm in that. Why? Because there's going to be people, ideas, and thoughts that's going to come to you and try and put limits back on your life. Try and put limits on what can happen in your marriage. Try and put limits on what can happen in society. Oh, what's going on? It's never going to work. Hey, don't let limits come into your mind. There's never going to be reconciliation. That's limited thinking. You're free from that. Stand fast. Hold your ground on limited th limitless thinking. I'm not going to be held captive by that. There is liberty in Jesus. In Christ, there's no limits. In Christ, there's freedom. In Christ, there's no restrictions. I am limitless through Christ. But to have that mentality, you're going to have to hold your ground because the enemy is going to try and stifle you. Third thing is oppression, freedom from unjust authority. You've got to stand your ground that you're not under the authority of unjust authority. You're not under the authority of the enemy. You're not under the authority of the lies of the devil. You're not under that authority. You have been given authority through Jesus' name. Behold, I give you authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing by shall, shall by any means hurt you. Whew, that's a mouthful. Luke 10, 19, if you want to verify that. So we got to stand firm, persevere, be constant, hold your ground, maintain your position in liberty. In other words, just because I experience liberty in an area of my life today doesn't mean I'm not going to have to persevere and stand firm and hold that position tomorrow. We get lazy, and we just because we experience a little liberty, a little freedom... And we think it's just going to come automatically. No, you got to fight for your freedom. you got to stand for your freedom. you got to say, no, I'm not giving in to you lust, to temptation. I'm not giving in to you pornography. I'm going to stand in my liberty. got to fight for it. Hold your ground. I'm, not, I'm going to stand in my freedom from offense. I'm going to hold my position in freedom from unforgiveness. I'm going to hold my position in freedom from bitterness. I'm going to stand there. I'm going to live there. I'm going to live in liberty. When you live someplace, that's where you stay. You can visit a house or you can live in a house. And when we're talking about living in liberty, it's not like I, I visit liberty. I want to live there. I want to stay there. But you got to be ready because sometimes something's going to happen, a thought, an action, somebody else. It's going to happen. going to try to get you to move out of liberty. I'm living there. I'm living in freedom right now. I'm living in freedom. I'm not offended by anyone. I love everyone. La, la, la. That's great. You live there right now. But somebody's going to knock on the door. And something's going to happen, try to get you to move out. 
And you got to stand firm. Uh-oh, what they did. Oh, I, uh, uh, hold your ground. Your, your spouse is going to do something. You're living in peace right now. You're enjoying peace right now. Things are great. That's wonderful. But something's going to happen. And you've got that choice in that moment. Am I going to live in liberty, hold my ground, maintain my position, or am I going to let something cause me to move out, move out from my peace and move in with anxiety, move in with fear, move in with discouragement? You've got to hold your ground. Look at your neighbor and say, stay living in liberty. Live in liberty. I'm getting excited. I better sit back down. You've got to stay in it. you got to stay there. Stay there. Don't give up. Don't give, your, don't, don't give up ground. Don't give up ground to the enemy. He's a loser. You're a winner. Thanks be to God who always causes you to triumph in Christ. Don't give up ground. Hold your ground. I just want to stand up again. You got to plant your feet. Because here's where the lies of the enemy come. They come and they try to tell you, just do this. Just get, say, no, I'm going to hold my ground. I'm not compromising. I'm not giving up. Because look what happens. Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't get entangled. Here's the snare. Whenever we listen to the enemy and we go with him and we move out of liberty, we move out of our freedom to choose, we move out of our freedom from limits and restrictions and we move out our freedom from unjust authority, then we become entangled in a snare and what the devil promises you as freedom begins up being a snare to you. Don't get entangled with those things. Don't get, don't get bound up in bitterness and bound up in unforgiveness and hatred and animosity. It becomes an entanglement to you. Live in freedom where no one else controls how you respond. You control how you respond. You are not, I am not responsible for what everyone does to me and says to me. <laughs> Isn't that obvious? But I'm absolutely, I am absolutely responsible for how I respond and how I treat others and how I speak. Live in freedom means no matter what you do, the Bible says it is impossible that offenses will not come. It's impossible. But it is possible to live free from offense. Is it hard? Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So now, now let's go ahead. Let's jump, let's jump to verse 7. It says, you ran well. You ran well. You ran well. It's not talking about your little running like running a marathon or running 5K, you ran well. What that phrase literally means is about you lived your life well. You lived your life well. And here's the parallel scripture. Bring it up for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run? Here's the analogy. We're comparing a race to life. They all run, but one receives the prize. Everybody's in a race. Gun goes off. Everybody's running. Who's going, to, who's going to get the prize? The one who gets across the tape first. We don't believe in participation trophies. So I just said that's another thing. Sorry. Just keep that down, Chad. Just let that go. Run it. But only, but only one receives a prize. Now look at this part. Don't miss this. He says, run in such a way. Run in such a way. So he's telling me, he's telling you how to run, how to live our life. You were living your life well, and so it parallels to this one. 
run in such a way or live in such a way. This is how we live. He's telling us how. Live in such a way that you may obtain it, obtain the prize. Live in a way that you're going after it. Live in a way that you want to win. Live in a way that you want to achieve. Live in the way that you want to accomplish the goal that God puts in your heart. Live in a way that you want to grow and, and make progress. Live in that way. Don't live in a way that you want to avoid and survive. No, live in a way that you want to obtain. I want to obtain to be in the man God created me to be. I want to obtain to be the woman God created me to be. I want to be the father, the mother, the child. I want to obtain it. I'm not just hoping it comes upon me. I want to do what I need to do to obtain it. I want to keep growing. Look what it says. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we're doing it for something that's eternal. We're going to do this for something that lasts forever. Therefore, I run thus, colon. Here's what he's saying. Therefore, because of this, this is how I run. This is how I roll. This is how I live. So this is how you and I need to live. Paul's saying, inspired by the Holy Spirit, because of this, I'm, I'm going after something eternal, not temporal. Therefore, I run this way. This is how I live. This is how I roll. Not with what? What's the next word? Not with uncertainty. Not with uncertainty. So if I'm not going to run or live with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. What does that mean, not with uncertainty? The word uncertainty means without purpose, irresolutely, uncertainty of mind without a goal. Here's how we need to live. He's saying to you and I, run thus, run this way, run with certainty. Live our life as a person with certainty of purpose, focused resolve, conviction, determination, fortitude, and intentional. This is how God wants you to live. Doesn't want us to live passively. He wants you to live with purpose and intention. In other words, you're never going to be who God wants you to be or created you to be on accident. You're going to have to do it on purpose. You're never going to grow in your relationship with God accidentally. You don't fall uphill. Everything worthwhile in the kingdom of God is uphill. You got to grow into it. You got to achieve it. You got to go after it. You got to come get you some. You got to be Jonathan and his servant getting ready to go up to the Philistines. And, and Jonathan says to his servant, said, hey, let's go up to the, and let's attack those Philistines. It might be that God's with us. Maybe. He said, I'm, I'm going after it. And so he, yeah, that's a great story. I don't want to get off on that, but it's, live with certainty. Live with certainty. So no, he said, you ran well. Look at the next part. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You were living your life with purpose. You were living your life with resolve, with conviction, with determination. But something happened that hindered you, that beat you, drove you back. Not beat you physically, but beat or drove you back emotionally. Or maybe it could be physically, but the, the emphasis is on your progress has stopped, impeded or prevented your progress. So how do we go from a person living with purpose, living with focus, resolve, living with intentionality, uh, moving forward with conviction and determination to being impeded and driven back? Notice what it says. Who hindered you? Who drove you back from obeying the truth? Everybody say the truth. The truth. Obeying the truth. The truth here is the conformity to the true nature and reality of things. Not out of obligation or blind submission, but that you actually believe that this is the correct way to do something. So here's what happens. Notice what it says. This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. So you're living your life well. You're living with conviction and determination. You're moving forward, making progress, but someone hindered you from obeying the truth. How can someone hinder you from obeying the truth? Only way they can hinder you from obeying the truth is they give you a lie. 
The reason I don't obey the truth is because I obey something else. Are you tracking? So if it says, who hindered you from obeying the truth? Then it goes on to say, this persuasion, this persuasion, that word persuasion just means communication to convince, induce, or persuade. So this persuasion does not come from God that is to get you away from the truth so it can drive you back and impede your progress. Notice what it goes on to say. Let me put the pieces together. This persuasion, this communication to convince you, to persuade you, does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you in the Lord that you will have, listen to this part, that you will have no other mind. Have no other mind. But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. Notice what he's talking about. We're making progress. We're running well. But someone hindered us from obeying the truth. Then there's this persuasion that does not come from him. So here's what I wrote down. There's a participation in our world right now. A participation in a battle for persuasion. If this persuasion does not come from him who calls you, where does this persuasion come from? There's only two participants in this battle for persuasion. One is Jesus. He represents the truth. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus represents the truth. Sanctify me by your word, Lord. Your word is truth. Jesus comes representing the truth. That truth is to persuade us. The second participant is Satan. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. John 8, 44, he is the father of all lies. There is no truth in him. That's the very root, call, root source of the two participants. Now, people can participate. People can participate with those two voices. It can come from a human being. It can come through our own thoughts, all of that. But the true root sources are only two sides to this question coin. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Those are the two sides. Are you clear? So now there's constant communication between these two sides to convince or persuade us. So here's the question I want to ask you. Are you ready? Jot this down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and just jot this down. It says this. Here's the question. Where does my persuasion come from? The persuasion that's influencing my thoughts, my beliefs, and my actions, where do they come from? It's a great point to ask ourselves. Because we are being persuaded every day. We're being, we're, there's an attempt to persuade us every day. So where does this persuasion come from? What is the source of your truth? What's the source of your truth? Here's what I want to ask, and I, I want to discuss this for just a minute here. Anybody ever heard this phrase, live your truth? It's pretty popular amongst the uh, youngsters right now, but it's, but it's not like it's a new phrase. It's been happening for decades. Live your truth, man. Just live your truth. So when I talk about live your truth, if I, if I use it for myself, I'm going to live my truth. Who gets to decide what truth is? I do. And what is that truth based on? That truth that I'm living is based on the information that I know currently. Has anybody ever had a situation where you believe something to be true and then all of a sudden you got some new information and then what you thought was true is no longer true? That you were convinced that they're the one who did it. They're the one who did it. I was convinced one time that one of my kids took my shoes. No, one of my shoes. I'm sorry, it was a shirt. Took one of my shirts. I couldn't find it. Nowhere to be found when my kids took it. Those kids. 
never put anything back. I was convinced that was my truth. They took it. Those kids took it until I found it. Once I found it, all of a sudden the truth that I thought was right information was wrong information. Do you follow what I'm talking about? So all it takes to change our truth is new information. So if I, if I live by my truth, do I know everything? Let me just answer that for you. No, I do not. In case you were a little wavery on that one, I do not. So if I do not know everything, then the truth that I'm basing my life on is based on partial information. So here's the next part of that, as I'm building layers for you. If I'm building based on living my truth, where do I get my truth from? What is the source of my truth? The source of my truth. Do they know everything? If they don't know everything, then if they get new information, does that new information communicated to me give me new information that changes my truth because their truth changed? Am I staying with you? This is what I want us to understand. What's the source of my persuasion? Because what's being bombarded on us right now in social media, on the television, wherever, someone's trying to persuade you with their truth. And I'm here to tell you, for Christians, followers of Jesus, our truth comes from Jesus. It comes from the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the truth. So we got to be careful where we get our truth from. Because if people don't know everything, if they give us new information, what voices do we trust? What is the source of your truth? And here's a great point to add to that. What's the source of your truth and followed up with, does the source of your truth have an agenda? I want to ask you some things. Who can we trust? What voices can we trust? Let's start with the first one. Can we trust the media? Okay. 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 I'm not sure I heard clearly, but <laughs> say no. Here's what we need to know. Here's what I'm going to say. Regardless of what your position is on the media, I'm not here to say which media is right, which one's wrong, when, when they're right, when they're wrong. I'm just saying we need to embrace this truth. The media has an agenda. Now, you may agree with that agenda, and that's fine. That's up to you. But we all at least need to come to the table and say the media has an agenda. And so they're persuading you with their truths based on a source of their agenda to persuade, okay? So again, whether you agree, I'm not here to nitpick over that. I'm just saying we need to understand and run the filter of our persuasion through the word of God that we don't take carte blanche, whatever the media says. The media provides information, but not necessarily the truth because the only, tr only source of truth in our life has to be Jesus, so the media, maybe you don't trust the media, evidently, strongly. What about science? I've heard this. We need to trust the science. We need to trust the science on these things. Okay, okay. I, I'm not against trusting the science, but here's the question. The source of my information is the scientist. Do I trust the science or do I trust every scientist? Well, it depends. Does that scientist know everything? No. So maybe they're giving me information based on what they know right now. Or maybe that scientist has an agenda. So now, just because they have a bunch of letters after their name and they say they're a scientist and they tell me something that's the truth, i got to run that through the filter of the Word of God and say, wait a minute, that may be what you're saying is fact, but I'm not sure that that's the truth for my life. 
This is what I'm saying. I'm not saying these things cannot be factual. They can provide information. But I also know that scientists are being fired and, and, uh, and resigning because they're finding ties to them and, and illegal ties to information. So I'm not sure who to trust anymore. So now i got to realize I always trust Jesus. So let, let's look at another one. Um, let's see. i got a lot of information. I'm not sure which ones to share. I don't want to cause great division here. So we don't trust the media blindly. They're just giving information. They may have an agenda. Scientists could have an agenda because you can have a scientist come out and say this, and all of a sudden you have another scientist come out and say that. So which one's right? You've got to realize that both of them may have a financial agenda in their statements. Okay. Okay. Doctors. Doctors. Can doctors have an agenda? They can't. Doesn't mean doctors are evil. Doesn't mean doctors are wrong. It means doctors can have an agenda. So we got to be careful. How about social media? Does social media have an agenda? Okay. Yes, it has an agenda. I can't even trust fact check people anymore. I, I can't even trust Snopes anymore. Again, what I'm saying is, I'm not saying this to bash on any of those things. So don't hear me through the wrong set of ears. What I'm saying is, Christians, the way we're going to walk in our liberty is when we realize where truth comes from and we're not swayed by someone who might possibly have an agenda that doesn't really care about me. So their truth that they're telling me is not one that's for me. I know when Jesus tells me something, he is for me and not against me. I know he has plans for good and not an evil for me to give me a future and a hope so I can trust even when I don't understand understand what he tells me. It is truth to me because he wants something better for me than I want for myself. I don't know what the media wants for me. I don't even know if they care about me. I don't know if that politician wants good for me. I don't know if they trust me or, or care for me. I don't know where their motives are. I don't know what their agendas are. I don't know if that scientist really cares about my health or if they care about the funding they're getting for their agenda. I don't know, but I know Jesus. So let's jump, jump down. Are you okay? Verse 13. For you, brethren, let's jump down to verse 13. You with me? For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Ooh, called to liberty. Called to liberty. We know what liberty is, right? Freedom of choice, freedom from limits and restrictions, and freedom from unjust authority. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Called to liberty. Here's what the word called means. It means to invite, to summon. So here's what I thought. I was reading, and I just kept reading it this week, and I'm like, I've been called to liberty. I've been called to liberty. I was meditating on it. I just wanted to sink down my heart. I've been called to liberty. I've been called to liberty. So, Lord, I just thank you that you've invited me. You've summoned me into liberty. You've called me into that. Thank you, Lord. I receive your invitation, and I want to come into liberty. And he said, wait a minute. There's a deeper meaning I want you to get. I'm like, what is that? So as I studied, I found out this word called, kaleo, also means to refer to the proper name of something. Refer to the proper name of something. He said, it's Chad, Chad, it's not just that I'm inviting you into something. I'm calling you something. That's your proper name. Your name is freedom. Your name is liberty. That's what I call you. I call you with no limits. I call you with no restrictions. That's what I call you. When I look at you, I call you liberty. Hey, I want to be just, not just invited, but that's my name. So we got to realize in Christ, we've been called to liberty. Walk in that. That's your identity. That's what he thinks about you. That's what he says to you. No matter your race, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your background, no matter your political affiliation, you've been called to freedom in Christ. He calls you free. I don't care if anybody else calls you free. I don't care if they agree with his freedom that he's given you. You've got to realize I've been called to freedom. I walk in liberty. Just call me Liberty Chad. 
<laughs> Not formally, but you know. This. But here's what he says. For you've been called to liberty, liberty only. Do not use liberty or your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, through love, through love, serve. Oh, Jesus, is this in the Bible? Okay, you, but through love, serve. To work for or serve in a humble manner, humble, humble. Do we have humility in the United States of America? Is it still available? Your Bible says to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. The Bible says that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Through love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. You've got freedom. You've got freedom to believe what you want to believe. You've got freedom to think what you want to think. You've got freedom to do that. But through love, serve one another. Here's what God spoke to me. I hope you're ready for this. Some things I thought, God, if I say that, I'm not sure they're going to like that. But that's kind of been par for the course on this series. I said, I'm not coming really to make friends. I'm just coming to speak the truth as I feel like God has shown it to me. And he said, listen, here's how I want you to live. I want you to live in liberty. But remember that your freedom, your liberty that I've given you also comes in connection with the love to serve one another. So don't use your freedom as a way to get out of doing the other part. Because notice what he said. Let me go and read the rest of this and then I'll come back to it. It says, for all the law, all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, Jesus. Let's read that again, just for our own selves. <laughs> for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, bite and devour one another, beware lest you become, be consumed by one another. Bite and devour, bite and devour. Love your neighbor as yourself. Through love, serve one another. Bite and devour, love, serve. Here's what God was speaking. Too much we have in our society going on right now. We have a lot of biting and devouring. Biting based on what I think, what I believe. That's what you believe, that's what I believe. Bite, devour, bite, devour. Here's what I think. You think that, I think this. Biting and devouring one another. Notice what it says. Be careful. Beware lest you be consumed by one another. We're consuming ourselves instead of serving one another, instead of loving one another. We're putting our platform, our position, our belief in front of love instead of love being in front of our platform, our position, our belief. Love comes first. And then we can talk about what we believe. But love should be the front. It should be the buck shield. It should be catching everything. It should be the thing on the front end. But we, we mark our territory about, about what we believe. And we say, I can't love you because we disagree. Right now, you can't say anything. You can't say anything without offending people. You can't say anything because we're not walking in love and humility. We're walking in our positions. And sometimes we can, in the Christian, in the church world, we can be just as bad as anybody else. I'm saying to the church, we got to be the leaders of people that are loving our neighbor as ourselves, even if we disagree. There's too much. I better sit down for this one. Because <laughs> I want this to come across the right way. We're biting and devouring 
over issues that aren't the major. Here's what I love about America. America is not filled with a bunch of perfect people. America is filled with a bunch of people that are trying to grasp truth and learn how to apply it in their life. And we're all doing it on different levels. If you interviewed Chad in 1993, you get a whole different level of truth than what you're getting right now. By the grace of God, he's exposed me to some things to bring around new truth to me. But we're biting and devouring, and we need to give liberty. We need to give freedom. See, our racial issue is because we're not loving one another. We're not loving our neighbor as ourselves. We're not loving. And we're taking our positions. We're getting off. We're positioning off in our corners. I, here's what I love about America. I love, I love the freedom and the liberty. He said, do not use your liberty as a reason not to love. Oh, Lord. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things I could bring out, but here's a couple things. Are, are we able to love people even if we disagree vehemently with what they believe? Or do we need consensus before we love? Do we have to agree with their lifestyle before we love? Because here's what religion wants to do. Religion wants to control behavior. But here's what God spoke to me. He said, Chad, you cannot treat people differently than I treat them. If the creator of the universe, the only holy, true, just judge in the universe, created mankind and then gave them a free moral will to go out and either embrace him and love him or spit on him and reject him. And he lets them go around and live and they can live totally against his will, totally against his truth, totally against what he wants for them. He gives them the liberty to do it and he loves them the whole way. If God, the only one truly worthy, treats people that way, then who are we not to treat them the same? But the temptation is, I cannot love you unless I agree with you. And we've got to get past that, that we can love one another and disagree. We cannot see eye to eye, but I love you. That we have the liberty, we have the freedom in our country for someone to live a way that I don't believe is the truth, but it doesn't change the way I treat them. It doesn't change the way I love them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them. See, the Bible says the goodness of the Lord leads someone to repentance. It's not me telling them what you're doing is wrong. It's living a life that is enticing and salt and light that they're like, I want to live like you. What are you doing? Instead of us pointing out what's wrong, let's just live a life that's enticing. They're like, why are you so filled with peace? It's Jesus. I want to live in a country that if someone wants to kneel for the national anthem, they have the freedom to do that. Whether you agree with that or not, I'm telling you some of these issues, people are strong. I'm fine, stay strong. Stay strong on your positions on things. But love, don't ever move out of love. Because I haven't walked in this person's shoes. I don't see it from their perspective. Sometimes we need to, we don't have conversations. We bite and devour. We don't sit down and say, tell me, tell me why you feel that way. Tell me why you're living that lifestyle. Tell me why you see yourself through that lens. Tell me about that. Tell me that. We don't do that. We just want, we bite and devour. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. 
As long as we bite and devour, we'll consume one another. But God is calling us to a higher law. He's calling us to a higher law. Will we go to it? Will we go to it? You don't agree with the, the, with the gay, homosexual, the LGBTQ. You don't live with that lifestyle. That's fine. But you, can you still love people? Can you still love people? Or do you have to have conformity before you love? Is there, is there a barrier on our love? Is there a boundary on my love? If you kneel for the flag, I can't love you. Then where is our love at? Where's the strength of our love? If you're going to protest and I can't love you, where is your love at? Maybe you don't agree with why. Maybe you don't agree with the how. Maybe you don't agree with this or that. But have a conversation. And stop biting and devouring. Is this okay? It doesn't matter if it's okay or not. Jesus, is okay. Here's, here's what I feel like God's saying. I'm concerned for our nation. And it goes way beyond political. I'm concerned that the Christian is forgetting where their truth comes from. They're forgetting the law. All the law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All the law. But they're wrong. Yeah, I know. So am I. God looks at me probably on a daily basis and said, when, oh when, are you going to shake me? Still, Chad, you're still... You're still having trouble with that? He just keeps loving me. Loving me. So what if, what if? And I'm not trying to change the world in a sermon. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit that he will do something in our hearts that our first response is love instead of arguing. That we don't bite and devour. Because who, who would want... I mean, I'm so thankful for I'm so thankful for our police and the law enforcement. Here's what we do, and I know I'm going a little bit longer on this, but I, I want to drive home a couple points here. We put people in groups instead of dealing with individuals. Who would want to be a police officer right now? I, I see my son at least once a week, if not multiple days a week, puts on a full uniform, hat, badge, shirt, and walks around. I'm thinking, oh, do I want him to be a police officer right now? Huh. I don't. Do I, have I watched a movie the other day called Just Mercy? If you haven't watched that movie, you need to watch it. Have I lived a life from the perspective of a person of color that's been influenced by a certain voice, a certain truth, a certain this that keeps coming, a certain experience. I, I need to sit down and have a conversation instead of biting and devouring because we know we've got it figured out. We've got it figured out from our perspective. We've got it nailed down from our chair. But do you have it nailed down from their shoes? Well, so you're saying there's no truth. There is truth. It's called Jesus. It's the way, the truth, and the life. What's happening in our world is if we're not careful as Christians, we'll start giving up hope because we put our hope in a party. We put our hope in a political system. Our hope has to be in the creator of the universe. 
that just like the prophet Elijah saw the enemy surrounding him and the servant lost hope and the, the prophet said, hey, Lord, open his eyes that he can see. What God is doing in the earth is greater than what the enemy is doing. I believe revival is in the air. I believe it's in the air. I believe the move of God because I know black and white, Hispanic, Asian all come together where? In one place and that's in the presence of God. In the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the creator of the universe because that's what heaven looks like. Every tribe, every nation, everybody coming together, worshiping their creator, looking like they look. It's not like you go to heaven and everybody becomes the same race. They stay. That's what God's wanting. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.